Well, this is a privilege to share the Word of God. And this morning I'm going to do the best to model after my own pastor. I just love him and so appreciate him. I'm going to try to let the Word speak for itself. Sometimes I could get carried away and get a preach or something and maybe have a little bit of fun with that. But I just want the Word, I want the Word to have its way today, don't you? Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. Thank you for your word. Let your word be pure. Let it touch parts of our lives that need to be touched. Thank you, Lord. I commend your people to your holy word that's able to build them up and give them an inheritance among the saints in life. We worship you, Lord, for the purity. Your word is precious in this place, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Today, I'd like to take a little unorthodox journey with you or ask you to please take one with me. Today's title is Know When to Hold Them and Know When to Fold Them. <laughs> Had a dear friend years ago that, that uh, would have me over to the house. And uh, it, was the, it was the most amazing thing when uh, he announced to his family that it's game night. And it was amazing. It was like everybody, the, the, the kids rushed to the room and the dad ran to a certain location and he came out with his folded table and he opened it up. It fits on top and a little banker's visor and all the kids ran and got their little whatever, their chips and things like, what's, what's going on here? It's game night at the house. Hallelujah. How many of you appreciate a really nice game night? You go on vacation, you play little card games or little table games. <laughs> well, today we're going to look at our Christian walk as though it were a card game or a table game and just humor me just a little. Will you humor Pastor Tom just a little bit today? I believe God put this in my heart and sometimes God will use a little teaching like this to just uh, provoke your thinking just a little bit. And I remember after, after having a game night, and it was all good family fun, mind you, uh, the brother told me, now, now, Pastor Tom, please understand that don't tell everybody in the church that we're here playing cards, you know. I mean, they weren't gambling or anything like that. So, so if that offends you, please forgive us. Just bear with us. We're not talking about gambling. And then he, he quoted a song. He said, you know, uh, five card poker on Saturday night and church on Sunday morning. <laughs> and, and I said, now, what in the world? is that and he and he and he had me listen to this little song by the little big town the boondocks and they talk about that they're going to play cards on saturday night and church on sunday <laughs> and i said well okay i won't tell but i'm telling today chris oops did i say who it was <laughs> all right well, here's the premise that everyone is dealt a specified number of cards, each one with varying value, valuing, values or point potential. And during alternating turns, each player makes decisions on whether to hold on to the cards, trade the cards, play the cards, cash them in for new cards or set cards down with a presumed valuable combination to ultimately win the game. I hope I didn't lose anybody so far. So then at the end of the game, everyone, listen, everyone's hand is challenged at the end of the game, right? And when all the cards are on the table, let's say all the cards are on the table, then the truth is revealed and the winner takes all. Now, I, I, I just, I, I'm glad you're laughing because I think this is going to take us a little off guard. It's going to reveal some areas where God wants to take us higher. Hallelujah. I want you to consider two simple actions today that, that uh, we do as Christians that the Holy Spirit just really impressed me on. And that has to do with hold them or fold them. You know, our future in our families, our ministries, our careers, our quality of living, our quality of life 
greatly depends on what we hold on to and what we let go. It's not just that you hold on, it's you hold on to the right thing. And it isn't just that you let go, you've got to get to let go of the wrong thing. So holding on and letting go. Are you with me so far today? So, uh, so we do have choices. So I hear the Spirit of God say, so, so every day is like, and, and multiple times a day, there's a fresh turn. It's your turn again. And the cards are being dealt. And don't give me this like, I got a bad hand of cards. You know, like, have you ever been playing a table game like Crazy Eights or Old Mate or something? And they handed you cards. And it was, a, can I just be honest about it? A lousy hand. You got no wild cards, no high scoring points, nothing matched. Nothing was good. Everybody there with me right there? But see, here's the thing about in God. In God, there's no such thing as a bad hand. As, listen, as long as you trust Him, see, our Father holds the cards. I said our father holds the cards and he could change the rules mid stride if he feels like it. Hallelujah. I like that saying that my this it's 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 my bat my ball and God the umpire. We're going to play till we win. Hallelujah. Are you with me still friends? So listen carefully. A lot of people they <coughs> they're frozen and they stop when they're held, when they feel like life has dealt them a certain hand of cards. But the thing about it is, in God, there's always another hand. You can always cash in those cards for another one. Well, I had a lousy father. No problem. In God, you can get spiritual fathers. Hallelujah. I'd had a lousy mom, or I don't even know. No worry. There's plenty of spiritual moms in the church. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a, a very good mentoring when I was a kid. So here I am, and I'm lost. I don't know what it means to be a man. A woman will say, I don't know what it means to be a man. Well, congratulations. Here's a fresh card for you. God's provided new things and new opportunities for you. But the trick, not the trick, the, the, the skill set that you and I must cultivate is we need to know when to turn that set of cards in for a fresh set of cards. Hallelujah. God's got something fresh for you. Behold, I new, do a new thing. Hallelujah. I'm doing a new thing in your life. Be ready to have your heart grab on to something that God has for you. Hallelujah. So you do have a choice. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 9 through 20 in the King James Version talks about how I've called heaven and earth as witness against you this day. And I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, therefore, choose life. And in the context of today is I'm putting fresh cards before you, fresh opportunities before you. I'm putting people, places and things before you. And see, you're sitting at the table of life's game. And in this game, you don't play for chips. You're playing for keeps. And what you do is God prompts you. I want I want you to let go of this and take that. So you turn this in and you grab that. What did Abraham do? He said, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to cash in those cards and I want you to go to a place where I'm going to show you. He didn't even tell him where the place was. He said, I'm going to show you. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a name of a city. He just needed to start. Do you have that same kind of faith to turn in your card just because you were in your comfort level with mom and dad? Are you ready to step out, young person? Are you ready to stay, step out? Grandma and Grandpa, are you ready in your career when God says, I've got a new card for you? Can we just turn the card? Can we trust God and know there's a good card for us? Instead of complaining that life dealt us a bad hand. Come on, somebody. 
I know I'm preaching good now. Now notice this in Psalm 63 verse 8 in the Amplified Bible. Well, you've got choices, friends. David's proclamation to cling to God. My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. Your right hand upholds me. You've got to know what, what and who you're holding on to. And you, so I've got a question for you. What's your hand? What, what hand do you have? Nobody, listen, nobody knows the cards that you have in your hand. I'm asking you, the Spirit of God is saying, okay, what are you, what's your hand and what are you hanging on to? What part of your hand is it that I put there? And what part of the hand, because, you know, God's not the only one dealing. The devil's trying to slip a few cards in there too. Come on, somebody. He's trying to put some wild cards in there that bring you down. So let's take a text from Philippians chapter 3. This is a text for this morning. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, 9. This is all right at 9.33 in the morning or 9.38. Praise the Lord. Notice this. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed also I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered or I have traded the loss of all things and counted them as somebody say it rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Friends, don't let this scripture slip by you in a, in, in, in a glib fashion. We've got to capture exactly what is happening here. Paul gave up position. He gave up people. He gave up places and he gave up privilege. In order, when he recognized that there was a better hand, when there was a better card, I, wanna, I want to just emphasize to you that he let go of his pedigree. He was circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, blameless in the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was at the top of his game. Are you listening to me now? He was like the Bill Gates of the Jewish world, not financially speaking, but he probably did have a good deal of fun. But he was at the top. He was the, he was, uh, I, I think I made the point. But you've got to understand what he did. He thought that he was, was it and he, had, he was on his way to fully arriving when all of a sudden he came in contact with Christ. Christ appeared to him and said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, uh, Paul. And he says, who are you? What, what, what is this? Who are you? And he revealed himself as Christ. And in that instant, in that moment, when he came into contact with the real Christ, he realized, I've got the wrong hand. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much money you've spent on your education. It matters not how many years you've spent in ministry. When you get to a place, when you come to the revelation of Jesus Christ and the hand is dealt to you and you go like, wow, I think it takes a real man of faith and understanding to say, I'm trading this in. I'm cashing all my chips in for this. This is it. Somebody say, this is it. I hear a little, I'm not as good as Pastor Mark because I don't know all them oldies, but I do hear this song sometimes on the radio. This is it. Oh, brother, hallelujah. He knew this is it. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is it. When you, come up, when you come across the real deal, you let it go. You let go of everything else. Here's the thing about Christ. Sometimes He's going to ask you to let go of a whole lot. Because you can't have Christ and. 
I said, you can't have the better things and the higher things while you're dragging your path behind. Your confidence cannot be in what you were trusting in before. When he gives you a new card, we, somebody say, let go. You got to know when to fold them, honey. You got to put them in, cash them in. I don't know about you, but it's a happy day for me when I'm sitting at that card table and I get a lousy hand and it's my turn and I got seven cards or however, 10, 11 cards, whatever it is that they're hearts or whatever it is. And I turn them all and I says, this is a lousy hand. I'm going to cash it and I'm going to throw it away. Give me fresh cards. How many of you can use fresh cards today? I hear the Spirit say, there's some fresh things being dealt today. If you'll grab it in the Spirit, so help me, your life will be different. I said your life will be different. Hallelujah. Let's look at another person that traded in some things. Hallelujah. Let's look at Moses in the book of Hebrews. He's another one of our patriarchs. In, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 24 through 26, uh, in order to preserve time, well, I just a couple of verses. I'll just say this: by faith, Hebrews eleven twenty four through twenty six in the King James Version. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had somebody say respect. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward. So you, I think you understand the sacrifice. You're looking at a prince of Egypt in line to become Pharaoh. He's got the best of everything. He's got every need met. He's got the best cable, the best TV. He's got the, I'm telling you, he's got the best Egyptian limousine. Hallelujah. Even though it has four hooves. Hallelujah. He's got every whim. Listen. Your wildest imagination, all the riches of Egypt are his. Are you listening to me? But he came in contact and came with understanding about who he was and the kind of calling and the who Jehovah was. And at that point, when the, when the cards were dealt, he said, wait a minute, I am going to let go of all of this. No, thank you. I know that there's pleasures of sin, but what's more important to me is a legacy in God. And I want righteousness. That's what I want. I'm looking at a group of people that are saying, that's what I want. You see... There are people today that given the opportunity to just have a plush, luxurious life, that's what they'll select. I'm not saying that serving God's not going to be plush, because let me tell you, when you serve the Lord, He knows how to provide for His own. I mean, if you look at Abraham, who left Ur of the Chaldees, the guy was rich. Somebody say rich. He was plenteous in money and herds. In fact, he was so great, people were scared of him. He was one of the greater... Uh, patriarchs, I'm telling you, when in the land in his day, he, he was strong enough to pull a whole economy. They were scared of him. He was that big. So does serving God make you poor? Somebody said no. But see, he wasn't serving God. He wasn't serving mammon. He was serving God. Hallelujah. He proved himself. How do you know? Because his, his greatest dream, he put his son on the altar, didn't he? I said, didn't he? He, he withheld nothing from the Lord. How can you tell me, Pastor Tom? Because the Lord said, now I know that you're not going to withhold anything from me. Because you gave your, your highest dream, the greatest desire of your heart, you put it on the altar for me. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Shout hallelujah. So serving, serving God is not, is not a bad thing. And it says here that Moses esteemed 
and had respect unto the recompense of reward. Now let me let me let me define recompense. It's it's pay payback or to pay remuneration, compensation for anything done or suffered, earned or deserved. In other words, God is the God of recompense. For those that have chosen God, enormous blessing. I mean wild, out of your mind blessing. That kind of blessing. And for those that have chosen evil, their recompense, well, let's not talk about it. It's not too happy. So today... Let me turn the focus of our game a little bit and imagine yourself sitting at the table with a newbie. And the newbie doesn't know all the rules. And I mean, I remember when I first started, one of the first things uh, when I was dating my beloved wife, we played canasta. But canasta has, I still don't know how to play canasta. So many rules. This is, this is a valuable card and that one is, except in this case, and no, you can't put it down here because you have to wait for that. And I'm like, what? I mean, you have to keep, I'm going to tell you something, canasta is pretty complicated. <laughs> but but it, it, it speaks well to it because sometimes somebody say life could be complicated. <laughs> And sometimes, when someone's coaching a newbie, you'll do a play and they go, ooh, you don't want to do that. And they'll have mercy on you because you don't want to do that. That's, that's not a good play. You want to wait for later. How many of you are with me on that one? And they're trying to be nice to you. You know, you're, 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 you're a newbie. You're trying to learn how to play this game. Well, let me, let me just share a, a little principle with you. You do not hear this word very much, but this is, we're talking about values here. And, and the word that we're going to talk about you know, that Moses valued righteousness and the inheritance of God, right? Paul, he valued righteousness and Christ more than all of his PhDs. Amen? So, but there are people, I hope nobody here, that they have enormous value in their hand and they do something that's not quite right. They're, 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 they're fleshly and newbie with it. And the word that I'm going to bring out is sacrilege. Sacrilege is acting or speaking very disrespectfully toward what is held to be sacred. Now, I know that seems like some theological statement. I'm going to say it one more time, then we're going to go into something very practical. Sacrilege, acting or speaking very disrespectfully toward what is held to be sacred. Now, let me break it down for you. It's like you have a really good card or a real good combination and then you split it up and you're going to throw it away. And then somebody says, oh, no, 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 you, you don't want to do that because if you do that, you're going to lose the game. You, you know, and you coach people along that line. Who is someone that was sacrilegious? Give me, Pastor Tom, a model of sacrilege. Well, fortunately, I have an example for you that makes it really, really easy. And it comes from the book of Genesis chapter 25. Here you have Esau and his brother Jacob. Remember that story? And what happened was Jacob was famished. He was very, very hungry. And in verse 30 says, he said to Jacob, quick. And this is uh, Genesis 25, verse 30 through 34. I am in the NIV version. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he's so-called Edom, which means red. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. And then Esau said, look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is a birthright to me? 
But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him an oath, selling him his birthright. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew and he ate and drank and then got up. And so Esau despised his birthright. What is it that he just did right there for a pot of stew? A birthright consisted of the special privileges that belonged to the firstborn male child in a family. Prominent among those privileges was a double portion of the estate. Somebody say double portion of an estate, of an inheritance. If a man had two sons, his estate would be divided in three portions, and the older son would receive two. And if there were three sons, the estate would be divided in four portions, the older son would receive two. So, for, so what, you're say, what you're seeing is that it's a, somebody say, greater blessing. See, God's blessed many of us as much as He possibly can. But if we continue in certain respects, if you will, scorning what God is giving us, He can only bless us so much. Are you listening to me? It wasn't up to the Father to determine how much the blessing would be. It was up to the Son to to receive that blessing. If the Son despises it and doesn't take the blessing, then what can the Father do? So let me just go a little bit more to show you this little word about sacrilege, and we'll move on quickly. Verse 34b in the voice says, Esau treated his valuable birthright contemptuously. The Living Bible says this, So he ate and drank and went on about his business indifferent to what the loss of the rights that he had thrown away. Look at what the Amplified says. He ate and drank, rose up and went away, and Esau scorned his birthright as beneath his notice. Did you catch that? He didn't even value it. Are you with me so far? Look at what what the message says. He ate and drank, got up and left, and that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. I'm just, I'm just saying, friends, let's not do that. That's the warning from Hebrews. Don't be like that when you've got a birthright, praise God. When you've got promise. When you've got an inheritance. Don't do something stupid at the table and turn that in for something stupid. Hang on to what's good. Somebody said, hallelujah, I'm going to hang on to it. Jesus Christ paid a precious premium price. For what you've got. He went to the cross and he, he yielded himself and, and he became uh, as a servant, took on the form of a man, died and, and suffered so much so that then we wouldn't have to. Why in the world would we take something so precious that gives us such a strong advantage? Why would we throw that away? Somebody say, don't throw that away. Somebody say, hang on to that. Hallelujah. So I want to I just show, boy, uh, t- time, we're doing okay on time, but I want to be mindful of that. How many are enjoying this so far? Look, look what it says here when we, when we talk about value. This, you know, when it comes to what's happening in your life, everything, things seem to boil down to a value judgment. So Matthew 13 and verse 44 through 46, I think what I'm going to do is paraphrase to save time. He talks about the parable of uh, the man that went to a field and found a great treasure. And then he said, wow, this is amazing. And he buried the treasure. He ran off and he sold everything that he had to buy that field so that he could have the treasure in the field. Or how about the man that was a 
uh, in the next verse or so, he was a man that dealt with precious gems and jewels. He was a merchant, so he knew how to appraise things, amen? And he saw a pearl of great price, and it says that he sold everything he had. I want you to think about this. Wherever you are, imagine if you sold everything you had except the shirt on your back. I mean, think about that. What would you do if you found something so valuable that you would sell everything? I want, I want you to think about selling your china, yes, your musical instruments, your rings, everything you've got but the shirt on your back. You put it all on eBay and sell every last nickel so you can go and get that. Well, do you, you understand being sold out for Christ? Do you realize the value of having Christ, friends? When you come to the table and, and you come to, to revelation knowledge like comes forth from a church like this, this is valuable. I said this is valuable. The kind of seed that's sown into your spirit is valuable. So, you know, it shows us in that parable about how the kingdom of God works that when you find something valuable, you've got to sell out. You can't hold back. I'm not telling you that you have to sell your house today, or, but many of you, we've got to, we have to sell a lot of things. We've got to sell out for Jesus. You might miss a game or two. You might miss out on something that you might have liked doing just at the moment for something else that God wants you to do. All right, let me go on to, to see if I, can, if I could bring this to a resting place because I, this is, I was telling Pastor Nancy, this is almost scary. I know you're not supposed to be scared as a Christian. I got 18 pages of notes and I'm only on page five, but that's all right. I'm full. I'm ready. Are you ready to pull? How many of you going to pull with me just a few minutes here? We just, you know, just a few more minutes. Hallelujah. Just pull with me just a little bit. We're talking about value. I'm going to skip over this. Here's something that we could value. Really value this. Value sound doctrine. Value teaching and teachers. The right teachers. We're going to start with somebody. There's a card dealt to you. It's the HS. The Holy Spirit. Don't despise the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you receive this precious gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues or... And, and since you've received the Holy Spirit, if you're actually operating with communing with Him, but He is a precious gift. And He is a... Not, he's not just a gift. He's a third uh, part of the Trinity. He's a God part of the Trinity. Amen. And He shows you things to come. He strengthens you. He gives you power to live a victorious life. That's like having a wild card. I don't know about you, but I like that. I mean, how many, how many played games where the, the, two, the deuces were wild? Man, I like deuces. Like, wow, I could get a royal flush or I could do this because I got a couple of twos. You know, I got six of a kind because I got a couple twos. Ah, that trumps everybody. Well, the Holy Spirit is an, he, it's amazing. It, the, the advantages of having the Holy Spirit. Are you serious? The advantages of having a counselor, a standby, a helper. Someone will show you things to come. Someone will give you power. Really? And then we, we haven't even started to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We haven't even talked, begun to talk about the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, revelation, tongues, interpretation. of. T come on, people. We've got a powerful advantage in the Holy Spirit. When you come to the table, don't hold back when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Don't come to church and roll your, oh, brother, another Holy Ghost meeting. Oh, there they go. Oh, there goes Pastor Brent again preaching on the Holy Spirit. Oh, brother, another message. And then, so we're not going to come to church for about five years. Then they come back five years later and they come back. Guess what they hear? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because the 
Lord is opening the table and said, Brother, you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. You know, it's amazing to me. I've seen people that I haven't seen for years. And these are people that think, oh, I, I don't need that hand. I don't need that faith message. I don't need to hear more about faith. I don't need to hear more about victory. I don't need to hear more about the Holy Spirit. Whatever, you fill in the blank. And they stop going to church. And then we have all kinds of things that, you know, boundaries seminar and how to walk in love and prayer and other things. And then finally they come back six years later and they come in and they hear, what? Pastor Mark is still preaching on faith again? It's like they missed everything else that was going on. Hello, somebody. But that's the Holy Spirit. I said, that's God trying to deal the same card. They didn't get it yet. It's the mercy of the Lord. But let me tell you something else. There's, there's another card that the Lord will give it. It's called the MG, the ministry gifts. That's the ministry gifts card. Let me, let me just share this with you. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it talks about how God gave some to be apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You know that, right? For the equipping of the saints. I'm going to tell you something. I am, I have a fresh appreciation for the men and women of God that he has called and that are really standing in those offices. I have an appreciation, let me put it this way, I have an appreciation and respect for the office. Can I say it that way? And then I have a tremendous admiration and respect for the people that step into those offices and walk in those offices well, like Pastors Mark and Brenda, like so many wonderful men and women of God. You may say to me, well, I used to go to this other church, somebody gave me a bad hand, I stood at another church and the pastor ran off with the secretary and, and, and this happened friends that that was a bad card okay can you just put that card away cash it in and get another card get the card of the ministry gift speaking into your life for 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 timothy it was paul he said timothy my son in the faith we all need mentors in the spirit for elijah and elisha for for elisha it was elijah and i just love this uh i just love the shunammite woman let me let me just paint this little picture for you. This is a wonderful picture. We may, we may end here, who knows, but this is a wonderful place. There was, and I might as well just read it, let the word speak for itself. Go ahead and put up 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 44. We won't read every last thing there, but, but the thought here is, is somehow when you're at the table and the card for MG comes up, somebody say ministry gift, Somewhere along the line, you, in your heart, you've got to settle it that I'm going to receive the gift that Jesus Christ wants for me to receive. And notice this. It says, it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem where there was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, behold, now I perceive Thank God for that. Somebody say, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall and let us set for him there a bed, a table, a stool and candlestick and, and it shall be that when he comes to us or cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. What a marvelous absolutely over-the-top example of somebody making room for the MG card. 
I'm not, you know, there's a lot of people that come through town. There's a lot of voices in the earth. A lot of people preaching a whole lot of things. I'm going to tell you something. I grew up in a ministry family. Don't talk to me about that. I saw the ministers. I saw the ministries. And I saw the phony ones. But dear God, I've seen the real ones. I said, dear God, I've seen the real ones. Hallelujah. I've seen the ones that are uncompromising. I've seen the ones, I've seen them being changed into another man. I've seen the anointing come on them like, how did they do that? How did they, they do that because they stand in an office. Hallelujah. And, and I, can I just be honest with you about it? Over 30 years ago, I made up my, my I made a decision. I'm done. I am so done with church. And my wife will tell you, I grew up in the ministry. I saw what's happening I, I ministered. I was in a ministry family. And I said, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going into jazz and commercial music. I'm going to do recording. I'm going to do in, into uh, pop jingles or whatever. Just give me that. I'm, I'm good with that. And I got a phone call one day from Pastor Mark Thomas. And he said, I heard I had just graduated from Bible school. And he said, I heard you're coming back. Can you help us? And I was so scared to make a commitment. I said I was scared to make a commitment. But as gracious as he was, he didn't put any pressure on me. He let me think about it. And I did something really safe. I said, I'll come, I'll come as a consultant and I'll help you. But I had an out, man. I'm not messing with church stuff anymore. I've had it with church. I came and I want to tell you something. 30-some years later, I'm still here. <laughs> God was faithful to me. God was faithful to me because I had one more chance at the table to respond to the MG card. The MG card came my way and I said, okay, I've been hurt by a whole lot of churches. I've been hurt by a whole lot of pastors or ministers. I'm done. I even had a minister hit me in the mouth (laughs) when I was a little kid. Come on, let's box. No, I don't really want to. And he, he was staying in our home for crying out loud. And anyway, never mind. He knocked my teeth in. I said, really? I'm a little kid. I barely weigh 50 pounds. How could you do this to me? His name was Betancourt. God bless him. He was out of bounds on that one. <laughs> never mind that. I'm, I'm, but I'll tell you what. I, res, I responded to the MG card. And I heard the voice of the, the head shepherd speaking to me. I made room. This Shunammite woman had a dream in her heart. She had a dream in her heart that she could have a family one day. And she made room in her heart for a ministry gift. And when she did so, you know the rest of the story, God fulfilled. I said he fulfilled the desire of her heart. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a few closing comments and then I believe God will say that's pretty good right there. Unless there's one more thing. Okay, one more thing. Relationships. One more thing. Godly friends and relationships. So it's your turn at the table and you get the R card. No, not rated R. Relationships. And there's some relationships that are from heaven and there's some relationships, somebody say it with me, that are from hell. <laughs> Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. 
associations, an organized group of people who have the same interest, job, etc., a connection, a relationship between things or people. How about your affiliates, an affiliation, a close connection as a member of a branch or a partner? How about this, a companion, a comrade, an associate, also one that keeps company with another? We are of the household and the company of faith in this place. We're of the household of integrity in this place. We're of the household of the Holy Spirit in this place. Thank God we're of the household of the Word. I just appreciate that. And in Hebrews chapter 10 it says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Is that right? Ephesians 4 talks about how we're supposed to speak the truth in love. That we, somebody say, grow up. You see... By being in proper relationships, you are actually going to grow up and it'll help us. Amen. When you respond to the R card, does it really matter what people you allow in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Evil companions, corrupt good manners. And this is exactly where I told you I was going to stop. I think I have friends in high places. Naomi and Ruth. Friends, if you were not, if you did not receive the greatest family in the world, pick another one. I think I'll say that again. I think that went over pretty good. That felt pretty good. If you, if you didn't get a very great family, pick another one. Choose one. Look at Naomi and Ruth in Ruth 1.16. Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. And where you die, so help me, I'll die. And where you're buried, that's where I'm going to be married. So, uh, buried. So help me, God. Not even unto death itself is going to come between us. I like what Elijah and Elisha said. You know, uh, Elisha, uh, he, he said, he, when, when Elijah kept saying, go, go over here because I'm, I'm going to go to Jericho. And he says, as the Lord lives, I'm not going to leave you. Of course, that was a ministry gift. Naomi was not a ministry gift, but there are friends. Somebody say friends. friends. There are friends and associates that God has put in your life. Those are the, you need to really discern the real good ones and hang on to them. Protect those relationships. Amen? But here's another one for you. You know, you can't, you can't be good friends with everybody in the world. I mean, dear Lord, this Facebook thing's out of control. <laughs> you can only have so many friends. I mean, if you, if you try to be friends with everybody 24-7 using every available means of Twitter and Facebook and whatever, I'm telling you, you don't have enough time in the day to be everybody's best friend. But God has people in places of influence for you that you're going to have fellowship, that you can fellowship around Christ. Come on, friends. Around Christ, where you could speak the truth to one another, where you could know and be known, where you could help share and bear one another's burdens, where you could... Have somebody you could call up and pray. Hallelujah. We all need a good faith buddy like Pastor says. Somebody said amen. Amen. In closing, I'm going to say this. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. It says prove all things. When When opportunities appear before you for people, places, things, opportunities... Take them in prayer 
and see, is this something that God has for me? I just learned uh, something very dramatic recently. We were speaking of Facebook. Joe Hernandez and his family are relocating to the Middle East. Like, wow, what's that? I have to catch up with Joe to see what's happening. He he had a church over there in Concord or whatever. And uh, a a good friend of mine. And all of a sudden I find out he's, he's up and moving to the Middle East. Well, I know he's a man with a mission. Evidently, the card came up for him and he says, I want you to go here. Aren't you glad for people that obey God? Bow your head with me as we pray. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for this precious company of believers that have, up till now, they have determined in their heart to follow the Lord. And help us, Father, to follow the Lord fully. Fully. There are cards in our hands that you know, you know, Lord, we just kind of hang on to them because we kind of think there's nothing better. But I thank you that you are revealing to our friends here today, your precious children, that there's something better, something better. There are higher thoughts, there are better, stronger, more beneficial associations where you can be more effective and where, uh, yeah, where the blessing of the Lord would um, not bring any sorrow. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. And Lord, I thank you as we begin to evaluate and give all of our commitments into your hand and we acknowledge God today that you're showing us, Father, what you would have us to do. Hallelujah. We trust you. And Lord, I just pray right now for my friends, those that have had um, hard, uh, hard cards, hard cards have been dealt to them. I thank you, Lord, that today you are the glory and the lifter of their head. I thank you that Isaiah 61 is true through and through. That you have for their joy, for their sorrow, you've got a card of joy. For those that mourn, there's consolation. It's been hard. Yeah, it's been hard. But there's a fresh thing happening in Jesus' name. For those that will believe it, for those that will receive it, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the oil of joy, for the spirit of heaviness. Thank you for the garment of praise instead of a weak and failing spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank Him with me.